0: Just had one job, one job to do, and just get the medals for the competition. It says thirst, S-T, thirst. And then turn left. Yeah, just one job, and we got it wrong. How about this? Just had one job to put the cheese on the chicken sandwich, right on top, or sew the eyes on straight. Just one job, and you messed it up. Well, we have one job in God's Word. When someone came to Jesus and they asked him, so what's the greatest commandment? Well, uh, you can sum, up, sum them all up into two commands. Love God and love others. On all these, the, the law and the prophets hang. To love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's our one job. And that's the title of this message today. And we're in Romans chapter 12. Uh, where he sums up our one job, to love others and uh, love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's the, here's the summary up to the, chapter 12 here. The first few chapters dealt with our condemnation because we're all sinners, we all fall short of, of what it takes to have a relationship with God. He begins there in the first few chapters, and then he moves into justification. But we've been freed from the penalty of our sin because of Christ's death. We're saved. We can be saved from this. But not only are we justified, but we are being sanctified. We are sanctified, and we're being sanctified. We're freed from the power of sin. We can live this life in victory because of our sanctification. And then he looks at, in chapter 8, glorification. We are freed. We will be freed from the presence of sin one day. And we just got done singing about that. Um, When we'll be in his presence freed from sin and death But then in chapter 12 he moves into the application. We are freed to serve Romans 12 verse 1 starts Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice You see paul begins all of his letters in the same way um, By sharing who we are in christ and what he has for us All of his mercy, all of his grace, all of his love and gifts are bestowed upon us because we're chosen children of God. It's who we are. And then at the end of the chapters, like in chapter 5 of Ephesians or Galatians or chapter 12 of Romans, he says, Therefore, this is how you are to live. This is how you are to walk in the truth. And so that's what he says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, what he's given to you, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You see, doctrine always precedes duty, or learning leads us to living. It's not the other way around. A lot of us, though, like to run to the back of the letters and and get the moral list of do's and don'ts. This is what I gotta do. I gotta do better. I gotta try harder. And, And we make that mistake. Um, And then it becomes dutiful, becomes legalistic, instead of first understanding who we are in Christ. Um, Religion works this way, according to Tim, Tim Keller. He says, if I obey, then God will love and accept me. That's religion. But the gospel, the good news, works in this way. I am loved and accepted, therefore I wish to obey, or I want to obey, in response to all that God has done for us. In other words, we love because God first loved us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Offer your bodies. Jesus, when he came to earth, God the Son, he took on human form, a physical body, and he offered it to God the Father to do his will on earth. We now offer our physical bodies to God so that Christ can continue to do his work through us, his body, the body of Christ. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the priests would take animals, oftentimes against their will, and drag them to the place of sacrifice, and then they would kill the animals. They'd tie them up, uh, lay them on the altar against their will, and, and then once they're dead, then they were burned and, and the aroma went up to God as a sacrifice to God. They were dead sacrifices. They were unwilling and then dead sacrifices. But God says, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, which means you go, you offer yourselves and the parts of your body to him as willingly and also fully alive. Uh, we're, we're not dead. And because we're fully alive, then you know what that means? It means that we are often wanting to squirm off the altar. We lay ourselves on the altar. Lord, I want to serve you. I just got done worshiping you. And then this afternoon, we want to squirm off and do our own thing. And God, I know you want me to do this, but I want to do that. And, and so we're all guilty of that. So we have to go, oftentimes, regularly, offer ourselves to him anew throughout the day. Lord, forgive me, here I am again. Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Uh, this is your true and proper worship. The word worship means to ascribe worth. In other words, what is so important in our lives that we're willing to sacrifice for it. We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice our, our, um, our finances. We sacrifice anything that, that we, because we want this. Our energy. And we do these things because we really, really want to do these things. Warning. These are the things that can end up stealing our worship from God. Our love for, to him with our, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the things that take greater place than our love for God. And the Bible calls that the sin of idolatry. And again, we're all guilty of putting idols before the main thing, before what we ought to do. Um, so verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to renew our minds. This is how we are transformed in the image of Christ. This is how we are sanctified. This is how we become more and more like Jesus. By the renewing of our minds. You know who this is? This next picture? Recognize him? His name is Harry Houdini. He was a magician, he was an escape artist, and he could escape any prison cell or jail cell. He became widely known and renowned for uh, escaping any jail cell. And so one day he was placed in this heavy metal um, with a huge metal door, this this jail cell. And uh, he did what he always did, and under his belt he had hid, hid this little piece of metal to pick the lock, And uh, Houdini, though, became exasperated, and he began sweating. He was bathed in sweat after about an hour because he couldn't figure out the tumblers in this lock. He'd never seen a lock like this before. So he worked and worked, and he, he started to panic because he had a reputation at stake. Finally, after two hours, Houdini hung his head in shame, frustration, and discouragement because he'd never been beaten before. He collapsed on the floor, he threw, threw himself up against the cell door, lean, leaned his back against it, and, wouldn't you know, miraculously, the door opened because the door had never been locked. He'd been working on it for two, years, two hours, and it had never been locked. Houdini was defeated in his own mind, in his thoughts, because he thought it was locked. He didn't realize the truth that the door was unlocked. In the same way, God wants to form the image of his Son in us. That's his number one desire for each one of us. But we fail to recognize this. We don't know the truth from his word. We don't yield ourselves to his truth. He said the truth will set us free. But we don't do so. And so we walk in, in defeat rather than victory. You see, transformation begins in the minds. It's been said a thought leads to an act, an act leads to a habit, and a habit leads to a lifestyle. We begin to live according to how we think. And so we need to renew our minds. We need to flood our minds with the truth of God's word on a regular basis. You know, a lot of American Christians are biblically ignorant. You know, we'll go to church, and it's like eating one meal a week, you know? Have one breakfast, and I can't wait eat again next week, you know. We need to just, we need to nourish ourselves on God's word. And it, and it transforms our mind and then it transforms us from the inside out, leads to the way we live. Paul devoted the first two-thirds of Romans focusing on God's truth, who we are in Christ, and what he's given to us as his children. But many believers walk in defeat because, again, they fail to renew their minds. Jesus said we have one job is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second part is to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that's the second half of the outline. We need to love others. There was contention in the church in Rome. This is the context of the book of Romans. The Jewish Christians had founded this church. We can read about that in Acts chapter 2, and then the emperor Claudius eventually expelled the jews because they're growing you know these jewish christians they're growing massive and he was threatened by them He expelled them from rome We read about that in acts 18 and then the makeup of the roman church then Became almost exclusively gentiles because the jewish believers were gone, but then when claudius died his edict um, It it was repealed and jewish christians returned to uh, rome And when they got back to Rome, uh, then they encountered massive, massive cultural differences between them and the Gentile believers, which led to animosity. It led to division and contention and anger and arrogance and all sorts of issues that Paul was addressing in many of his letters. Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And Paul reiterated these themes in his writing. To the church that was divided it's not too different today because it's always our greatest challenge because the devil satan is intent on destroying the witness of the church of christ he loves it when churches split or when they bicker or when people gossip about that church down the street or on and on he loves that One congregation became oppositional when it discovered that the budget was off by 10 cents. And this went on for some weeks until finally someone just reached in their pocket, pulled out a dime and said, here, tension was gone. Brilliant. By the way, we're off about $20,000 here in this church. Just, Just wanted to pass that on. Just as a side note, not really. Uh, another congregation divided when a committee preparing the Sunday morning coffee switched to a stronger blend, and then there was great division. Uh, another uh, members in another church turned on each other because someone dared to su- uh, serve deviled eggs at the church dinner. Deviled eggs. They suggested angel food cake, but deviled eggs, should such a satanic item be allowed in our church potluck? Uh, congregations fight today, Um, for many reasons, how much water is required for baptism, how often the Lord's Supper should be served, what version of the Bible is the Holy Spirit-approved version. Uh, We divide over politics and how we should vote and and music styles and times of worship. God forbid, don't change the time here and and mess with our schedule. Um, Whether Christians have divine exemption from wearing masks during a pandemic or not, hypothetically. You know, that would never happen. But the Jewish-Gentile conflict that Paul was dealing with makes anything that we deal with like child's play today. It affected the entire church. So Paul begins in chapter 12 by sharing how we have to treat one another in love with the love of God. Uh, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with a sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. And then in verse 15 and 16, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So if we want to do the one thing right, we need to love others with an attitude of humility, Christ-like humility. Uh, do you know m- more today than you knew five years ago, probably? I would guess, we, I'd hope we'd all say yeah. Well, um, Five years ago, did you think you had a pretty good grasp on knowledge? Five years ago? Or, no, I was really an idiot back then. No, I think we all, I think we all felt five years ago. Yeah I, yeah, I was pretty secure five years ago, too. Well, how about five years from now? Do you think you'll have more knowledge five years from now than you do now, right today? You think, I hope so. Well, the, the illustration is not a news flash, It's not a bulletin. We all still have a lot to learn. We need to stop thinking as though we are the authorities on every subject today. And yet, isn't that what most bickering is about? Because theological... There's only one in the sanctuary this morning who has adequate training in God's Word and possesses great wisdom. And his initial begins with J., And it's not Jeremy. (laughs) And it's not John either. It's Jesus. He's here today. He's the authority, and we learn from him by his spirit and in his word. Loving God, uh, loving others, also requires not only humility but action. And we we come to this famous passage about the body of Christ. Verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I've run into a lot of people in my day that said, you know, I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You know, I have a relationship with God and, and Jesus. I don't need to get involved. I, I really don't need a church. That's unbiblical because the church needs you, and you do need the others in the body of Christ. We're, we're chosen and created to be interdependent upon one another as a body of Christ. You know that. And I'll give you an illustration. Um, you take your car to a mechanic because it's really freezing out, like six, six degrees. Or, and you take it, and, and the heater's not working. It just blows cold air, and you can't defrost your window. So you, you chop off the ice and you drive it to the mechanic as fast as you can. You drop it off, tell them the heater's broken. A week later, finally, they call you and say, Your car is ready to get picked up. So you're, Oh, finally, my car is ready. So you go get a ride down to the garage, you get your, uh, you, you up to the front desk, you pay the bill, you get the receipt, you get in your car, you start it, you crank on the heat, and you drive it home. And meanwhile, the air is just blowing on you, but it's freezing. It never, ever, ever warms up. What's the deal? So you return, you go back to the garage, you say, What is the deal? It's still cold air. Oh, well, we plugged it into the computer in your car. I got to tell you, you're, you got a beauty there. It runs perfectly. I said, I know it does, but my heater's busted. Oh, your heater? Well, our heating and air conditioner uh, specialist, he quit like two months ago. We don't do that anymore. What? This is lame. I, I'm not going to recommend this garage. It's not too different in the church. Well, it's not too different in restaurants sometimes, you know. drive throughs are open because, and the dining room is closed because the staff didn't show up this morning. It's handicapped, if you will. In church, churches can be handicapped too. We are so, so sorry. Our nursery workers, well, they quit a couple months ago, so we have no nursery. Sorry. Uh, We're sorry about the icy sidewalks. You see, the ushers who are normally here, they're kind of hit and miss. We're not sure if they'll show up today. Uh, We're so sorry that uh, there's no juice for communion today because the one who shops for our communion juice, well, they're on vacation, and so take two wafers today. Many faithful servants of God are no longer with us. They are now worshiping and dancing in heaven. Like Alan Hansen died a couple of years ago. He would do anything for anyone, right? Am I true? He he was a servant. He he was in the late 80s and he was out, he was the first one to shovel and salt and do anything around the church. Joanne Fortner, she was a wonderful, great prayer warrior. Jamie Odell was an encourager. She had the gift of hospitality. She and Dave would host people all the time, including our, our life groups. Tom Stapleton was passionate about missions. He he just thought and it, it, Exuded missions and passion for those who are serving overseas. And then a couple weeks ago we lost Brianna Lance. She had the gift of mercy, among others. She worked with Celebrate Recovery and with the rowdy kids who come every Tuesday night, and that is not an easy task. She worked she served, she began to serve in the jail ministry and even touched a woman in the jail ministry who is now a part of Celebrate Recovery because of Brianna's short stint in the jail ministry. She taught our middle school students. I know that everyone is rushing to volunteer as a middle school counselor. Um, So there's, there's a spot open now. Each one of these will be greatly missed. Who's going to carry on ministries like these and many, many others? We're all needed in the body of Christ. And if you don't show up, then we're going to be handicapped here. We'll be healthy except for in the area in which you're gifted, where you are needed, why God has called you here. I guess I should be able to ask you to take out a piece of paper and say, this is my ministry. This is what God has called me to. Here it is. And you'd be able to tell anyone, this is what I do on a regular basis. This is where my passions lie. Not just in the walls of this church. It might be in our community. But you're serving as an extension of this church and God, we're not, we're never created to be consumers, you know. I go to church for the goods and services, you know, and and when I get tired of that church, I'll go to another church because it's more exciting, and oh, they have so many cool things. We're not, we're called to be contributors, not consumers. It's biblical, Ephesians 4. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But their responsibility as leaders is to equip God's people to do what? To do his work and ministry and build up the church, the body of Christ. You are the ministers of Countryside Covenant Church. Who's your minister? Well, I am, you can say. Romans 12:9. He reiterates this point, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling what is good. He said, be devoted to one another in love. Devoted, are you devoted to one another here? Um, never be lacking in zeal with your, with your mission and ministry and calling, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You want to do your one thing right? Then be Passionate about your calling and your gifting. So loving other, others God's way requires one more thing. It requires the power of God. The power of God. In verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people in need, practice hospitality. In that one, two short verses there, we say, be filled with joy, patience, faithfulness, and kindness in generosity and hospitality toward others. And when I read that, it reminded me of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Paul writes about it. Here's the fruit of the Spirit who resides within you. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It's hard enough to be patient in affliction. Now you're telling me to bless those who persecute me? I can't do that. How can I possibly love those who oppose me and attack me and demean me and humiliate me? How can I love jerks like that? Well, by the power of the Spirit. You can't. It's impossible for you to do so. And this is the power of the gospel. It's my spirit within you that loves them as you allow him to do so. And he says, verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Be peace pursuers. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, then feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, my impression of the Apostle Paul who wrote this, when I think of the Apostle Paul, if I were to see him face to face, go back in history, I would... I would have thought I would have seen someone strong and passionate. He's the great Apostle Paul. He's confrontational. He would be kind of in your face with the truth. He would have a holy and righteous anger for the truth, and he'd be a pulpit pounder. You know, this is the Apostle Paul. He's strong, man. He's my hero. But as I read his writings, I don't really get that impression. No, Paul is rather one who blessed those who hated him. He was one who sought to live at peace even with his enemies. He's one who did not seek revenge. He's one who did not fixate on all the evil around him, but he overcame the evil all around him with doing good. He's the one who bore the fruit of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, this great hero, had gentleness and kindness and patience. In other words, he looked a lot like Jesus refused to retaliate even when they were crucifying him. And we can only do that if we are led by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Because it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not our fruit. It's not things we conjure up to try harder to do better for God so we're more acceptable. No, it's the fruit of the Spirit when we submit to God and ask him to live his life through us. Then he changes us. I'd like to end with just reading from one of my favorite authors named Glenn McDonald. but before I do that, I'll show you a couple more pictures. Just one job. I had one job to do. And you see that the water's kind of flowing a little bit outside the sink and, and the porches. Well, you see where the porch is, right? Just one job to do, and you kind of messed up. Well, when we try to love God and love others the way we're commanded, then we're going to fail too. We're going to fail Often thank God for forgiveness and for God's grace. Another another passage that highlights our one job is found in 1 Corinthians 13 and sometimes we know what to do but we just don't want to do it. We don't want to love that way. Instead, we justify our actions. You know, we can we know we should forgive one another. We pray the Lord's Prayer until we have someone who's offended us and then by golly, I'm not gonna, I can't forgive those people, right? Well, Glenn MacDonald write this, no matter what circumstances we will face today, there's only one right response, and that's to love. Love God from dawn until dusk, and love everyone who crosses our path the way God loves us. There's something in human nature, however, that pushes hard against that simple directive. We can think of a lot of things that seem more important than love, how about those supernatural gifts you've given to me? Amazing talents that will impress the heck out of other people, but Paul isn't having it. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13.1, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't have love, I'm nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. Even if the Holy Spirit should give us the, an extraordinary ability, it will turn out to be worthless if we flunk our one job, which is to love. Well, how about superior insight and truth we got to pursue truth, right? This is a central temptation of our day. We love to be right. In fact, that was the first sin, right? Hey, you could be like God. You can have the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, go for truth. Um, We want to be known as the smartest person in the room or at least the most spiritual person in the pew. But again, Paul is ruthless. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps. But I don't love, then I'm nothing. Superior insight seems like an awesome thing, but without love, it turns us into spiritual zeros. William Barclay writes, most people have been brought into the church by kindness of a real Christian love. I'm sorry, more people have been brought into the church by the kindness of real Christian love than by all the theological arguments in the world. And more people have been driven from the church by the hardness and ugliness of so-called Christianity than by all the doubts in the world. Lots of people might try out a church called Grace Church, but very few people would line up to a church that is the right church. How about supreme commitment? That should top everything, right? Commitment matters, but it's not job one. One. If I have everything, if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but if I don't have love, then I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I am bankrupt without love. If we love God and love others, everything else, our supernatural gifts, our superior insight, and our supreme commitment will take care of itself. We just have one job. And that's to love God and to love others. If we get that right, everything else will be right. Otherwise, we'll all need to go back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Let's pray. Hey, Lord, we thank you for being here today. We thank you for the power of your word. Uh, In this simple message from Romans um, 12, it's simple, yet it's profound. As we apply it to our lives. And and so, Lord, as living sacrifices, we worship you. We offer ourselves anew to you today, and we ask, God, that we be vessels of your love, that we might love you and that you might fill us with your love so that we can love others even in supernatural ways, ways that go contrary to the world in our own human sinful nature. Uh, So, Lord, fill us with your spirit today. And where we have fallen short, and we fall short often, We thank you for your forgiveness, and we thank you that we have this Lord's Supper to remember your death for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. Amen.